You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have David Maxwell joining us all the way from Launceston. Back with us today, David, on your series, Reflecting Jesus. How are you? I'm better than I was last week. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, well, we missed you last week, but we still heard you on the pre-recorded program that we uh, replayed from last year, and we had uh, some listeners um, communicating with us about that anyway. So, obviously, people got some value out of the program we played last week, which was on the Holy Spirit, so good. So I'm glad it it's sort of connected well. anyway with this. Yeah, this one. So that's great. You, you, you're back uh, in the land of the living, which is good. I am. Yeah, COVID free. <laughs> so, uh, David, each uh, week you like to share a story about uh, in, in this series about the blessings of your Christian walk, and uh, what have you got for us today? Yeah, thanks, Jason. Yeah, look, this was a, a really interesting blessing because there was a time uh, when when we were in Western Australia and my wife fell pregnant just before that. Um, she had an incident where she was having a, a roast potato and she swallowed the roast potato a little bit uh, too hot and it burned her throat, but she didn't really realise uh, how bad it was. In the middle of the night, she woke up and uh, she was having trouble breathing. Her esophagus had closed quite a bit. We had to rush her to the hospital. And one of the one of the doctors there was very knowledgeable in medications, and he knew the side effects of uh, the drugs and how important, uh, how quickly some of those would work. And I remember him asking her, you're not pregnant, are you? Mm. And she said, well, no, no, I don't think so. So uh, he said, okay, and he gave her this... Um, steroid and it was a corticosteroid that uh, side effect was very quick uh, reduction in inflammation so she had that and everything everything was okay and then uh, a few weeks later we found out she was pregnant and mm. we thought oh no you know this this there's going to be a problem here he specifically asked if she was pregnant before giving her this and maybe it's going to affect the baby badly mm. So, you know, we were contemplating health-wise whether this was wise to continue with the pregnancy. Mm. And so we went and saw uh, our doctor at the time, and he was a very wise man. I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but we were, we were really worried about it. And I remember him saying to me, you guys are Christians, aren't you? And I said, and we said, yeah. He said, why don't you leave it up to God? Mm. And I thought, wow, that, that was really... A, you know, it really um, pushed my buttons when it came to my own faith. Mm. And we thought, all right. So we just prayed about it. And we said, Lord, if she's going to be okay, then take the pregnancy through to full term. If not, then you, you see that it, uh, it, it's dealt with. Mm. And we ended up with a healthy, beautiful baby girl, you know. And to me, it was, it was, a, really big, it was a really big thing when it comes to self-control. You know, we, we often don't see what's right in front of us. You know, right in front of us we have these these uh, issues that we want to take a hold of. We mm. want to We want um, to control. control, yeah. Yeah, we want to control it. And so as we want to control these things, what we find is 
that we might then take a, a decision or a direction or, or something that's not going to work out the best. Mm. And so as as we went through this experience, this was just one of many experience of, experiences of self-control where we had to trust in God. And, and that's probably the hardest part of self-control, you know, is uh, taking your eyes off what's happening right in front of you, um, having this restraint. We'll, we'll go through this today and we'll talk about it more. Um, and and um, actually, I've got a bit of time. Maybe I, what I'd like to do is share an example I've seen in somebody else with self-control. And then when we ask the question later, um, others can um, text in or, or share their experience. Mm. Um, th- there was a, a church I, I served at once, and there was a good friend, of a pastor friend of mine, who shared probably one of the most... Uh, I guess, compelling uh, experiences of self-control I've ever heard. And he, he was uh, a person who really had a heart for people, really had a heart for people. And this particular church was more, uh, was more focused on uh, the evangelistic outreach of the church rather than connecting with people. So that yeah, it just doesn't really gel, does it? I mean, if, you, mm. if you're talking with other people, you're talking with people. Uh, anyway, there, there was there was a clash in ideas, mm. and his idea was to um, was to really connect with people, as I said. So he was doing this, and and it was such a strong conflict that one day when he stood up to preach. Um, or came out to preach or wherever it was. Uh, I don't know all the fine details. She came up and was abusive to him and then punched him in the nose. (laughs) This is a church member, punched him in the nose, gave him a blood nose. And he simply turned around, went out the back, had a prayer, changed his shirt. I think think the elder or someone gave him their shirt um, and then came back out and preached. Mm. And and to me, this this was the, the, the biggest... Um, example I've ever heard of of, of control um, of yourself, control, self-control of your emotions, your feelings I would have been shaking mm. <laughs> you know, you'd have to restrain yourself but to me it showed me here is a man who has the spirit of God, here mm. is a person who has that indwelling presence so, so often, isn't it, that uh, when we find ourselves in a circumstance, it might be a, a verbal um, abuse type situation where you want to fight back. There's that natural instinct, I guess, to, to, to fight back when you feel like you're under attack. But mm. um, to actually have that calmness and that, that uh, sense to step away, <laughs> think about it mm. and uh, come back calmly. And, and yeah, that's an amazing example. Yeah. So uh, often if we were to use a bit more of this restraint and trusting God's knowledge, God's foreknowledge, we'll, we'll dig into this a bit deeper as we go, we might find that many times in our life things go a little bit easier, perhaps. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and just going back to your example as well, David, uh, with your story of... Um, Our daughter. To, yeah, trusting. Yeah. I guess you had to trust in God. In a way, your self-control was connected to faith and trust in the mm. context that rather than me having to take control of the situation, I can trust that God will actually um, lead in the right direction and, and mm. sort it out. So 
Absolutely. guess there's a connection there, isn't it? Which I guess means the uh, all of the fruit that we've been studying over the past few weeks are, are connected to each other in a way, aren't they? Yeah, we'll we'll tie it up like that in the end. We'll mm, okay, bring it all together. Well, just remember that all of our past episodes can be listened to online at faithfm.com.au. And if this is your first time uh, listening to our program today, we have a show number. Our Tassie Encounters show number is 0488-880-891. We will be giving a book away in the, later in the program, and we'll give you a code for that. You can text us in on that number. That's 488 And as well, if you travel around and you want to listen to Faith FM, you can do that best on the Faith FM app. Uh, Because of the radio network we have, it's not always uh, present everywhere you drive. So if you listen on the Faith FM app and you've got data on your phone, you can download that app from the App Store. It's the Faith FM Australia app. You can listen to all our programs as well as all of our last uh, previous episodes. So have a look at that. Faithfm.com.au is the website or Faith FM app from the app stores. So, David, I guess uh, we'll take a break a little bit early and we'll come back and we'll get into this topic a bit more uh, in the concept of self-control. But before Mm. we do, um, we've got a listener question. Do you want to ask our listeners uh, that they can text in a response to a question here? Yeah, no worries, Jason. So as, as I said, we're looking at self-control. This is the last of the, the mentioned characteristics of God in this list we're looking at. And I've shared a story. Perhaps there's someone else out there who's got a, a great story of self-control that they've either experienced or witnessed mm. that they'd like to share. So would anyone be willing to share a time when you witnessed exceptional self-control? Text that in. That would be great. Text us in on 0488 This is Melissa Otto with Light as a Bird. Light as a bird, I could fly. That's the way I always feel when your love melts away my fears. For I had inside troubled mind, mistakes I wanted to hide. How could I be alike for you? As light as a bird for you have shown All my weaknesses you've known Still you pick me up saying Together we can do it Keep running And so the light I want to show Is how you have loved me
to Daisy Encounters on Faith FM and this morning we're speaking with David Maxwell on the topic of self-control. Before the break we asked a question. Share a time when you witnessed exceptional self-control. We'd love to hear from you. Text us in on 0488-880-891. Share a time when you witnessed exceptional self-control. So David, uh, that's our topic for today, and we're going to look at God's self-control. That's uh, looking at it from a different angle. Let's let's unpack this a little bit. Yes, yes. Thanks, Jason. So God's self-control, that's a little bit different, I guess, when we're thinking about self-control, because self-control, we always think about ours and how we control our own emotions. But um, when I'm looking at this from the angle of God's self-control, um, we can see that our relationship with God is often affected by his behaviour towards us. And I'd like to unpack that in a moment. But before before we do that, I think first I'll pray, then we'll read this passage in another version, and this is again in another paraphrase. Um, so let me, let me pray first. Okay. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the ability that we've got for reading your word and for those online listening to your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through this paraphrase version today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So a popular paraphrase that many people like is the message. So mm. Galatians five nineteen to 26. Could you read that for me, please, Jason? I will. It says, It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Yes, what a very modern 
application for this passage. Mm. Really liked it. A couple of things jumped out for me was a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied <laughs> and joyless grabs for happiness. Oh, yeah. You see that all around you, don't you? Mm. And and the last bit there you mentioned, since this kind of life, this is the kind of life we have chosen. So we choose to live differently, even though we have that all around us mm. and within sometimes, the life of the Spirit. I really liked that. Hmm. So I thought, thanks very much for that, Jason. I, I will uh, open with an illustration entitled The Conductor. So many years ago I was um, in Hauqua in Victoria. The Advent Brass Band was visiting. And I really, really enjoyed it. It was absolutely intriguing. I don't know if, I don't know if you've ever watched a I've, conductor. I've work. played in uh, bands and uh, concert bands and brass bands before, so I know exactly what it means to watch the conductor when you're a player. <laughs> right, and that must be tough, watching the music, watching the conductor. Mm. Nevertheless, this, the, we were, while I was watching, we were able to go and watch them during practice, which was good, because you see it a little bit deeper. Mm. The conductor there knows when one player's out of place. He's playing an off note. Um, he knows what each one needs to encourage them. Um, with sometimes stern and positive words. I'm going to cough, sorry. You're right. <laughs> I'll just mute that while uh, David coughs. He's, he's almost better. <laughs> How you sorry go? about that. That's all right. <laughs> um, so he knows when an instrument is missing. He knows how to get the others to stop while he locates the instrument. He builds it up and brings it back in. And, and sometimes some are playing with slightly different music. So they might have the wrong copy, you know. And so he, he stops, he checks that, he gently corrects it. No, no, it's this version, you know, and he'll, he'll get them to get the right one. He'll, he'll have some playing quietly in the background, and then just at the right moment, he brings it to the fore, increasing the intensity until it's front and centre, whereas you didn't hear it before. He carefully instructs, reproves, leads, guides the band members to all play their part in this wonderful array of music, which, when played together, you can hear this beautiful, sweet orchestral harmony. It's just wonderful to hear, wonderful to hear. Mm. And it reminds me of all these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit that we've been looking at, you know, Jason. They work so well together, and they're all, you know, interlocked and intertied, intertwined. Um, they're individual, but they're all important to make the whole life of reflecting God's character important in mm. our lives. So today, we're looking at self-control. Mm. Self-control. Just going to reflect on that story a little bit, David. I mentioned that I've played in uh, brass bands and uh, also uh, concert bands. I played a trumpet in a concert band and a cornet in a brass band. But um, the reason I actually left the concert band in the end was because the conductor really didn't have good self-control in that instance. And and it really was discouraging to the orchestra, you know, the players, to have the conductor yelling at you. <laughs> And uh, oh, that's not good. And that was that was discouraging. And yet, I can see what you're saying here. In that, you know, a gentle word, a gentle word of encouragement or direction or whatever, is what uh, builds the team and builds that team together. But when yes. when the conductor loses that sense of self control and just mm. goes off Con his temper, you know, controls that, just controls wants to have everything, you know. Yeah, it, it's but it's not encouraging to the players. So. No, not at all. So. 
what is this self-control then? Today we're not only we we could look at the whole Bible and all the texts. We don't have time to do that. <clears throat> so I'm going to just limit our our um, study today, our look into the Bible, into the New Testament. Just a few of the New Testament Greek words. Um, the concept of self-control, though, appears throughout the Bible, as you'll see. So um, first, there's the most common word that's used, enkrateria. And it's translated as self-control. And it means to be masterful, temperate, and in control of oneself. Let, let me read one of the verses. I've got stacks of verses here, but I'm just going to read a couple as we go through. In Titus 1, 7 to 8, we have this Titus, little, just, a, just a couple of chapters, very small, uh, one page, two pages in your Bible in the New Testament. So Titus 1, 7 and 8. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not self, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled. And that's that word right there. Mm. So that's that's one of the, the uses of this self-control. So controlling your own self. That's fairly self-explanatory, isn't it? Mm. Then there's the concept of a lack of self-control, and this is especially sexually a lack of self-control. And it's in the, the use of the word acrosia, acrosia, and it means a failure to control oneself, you know, or your natural urges, if you like. You find this one in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5. Let me read this one for you. Do not deprive one another. This is talking about a married couple. Mm. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control, mm. natural urges, uh, controlling those things. There are other verses as well. There's another one in Second Timothy. I haven't got time to read them all, as I said. And then finally, there's the last word is sophrosuni, sophrosuni, and it means discretion or moderation. So if I, if I go and read this one, it's in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 9, and it says, talking about women, in like manner also, I would apply this also to men, but in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with a proprietary and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good work. So, you know, the outward, not so much the inward, um, or sorry, the inward, not so much the outward. That's what that was talking about. Mm. So the women in there, this is actually talking about the women in first century, perhaps, um, that they would be naturally given to adorning themselves um, outwardly. You know, they, they would spend hours on their hair and preparing, um, you know, sparkly bits of, bits of jewel and glass in their hair so that when they walked out in the sun, it would draw attention to themselves. Mm. Um, and, and that's what he was talking about there. He's saying, no, no, look at, look at your inward self. And, and spend time on self-control in that way. So self-control here was more to do with containing this desire um, and nurturing the inward person, the desire to show, you know, be showy and upfront. Um, these, these all help us give a picture of what self-control means in the Bible. To illustrate this, 
Um, Charles Spurgeon, when he was still a boy preacher, he was warned about a certain quarrelsome woman and told that she intended to give him a tongue lashing, you know, really Mm. was going to tell him off. All right, he replied, but that's a game two can play. So not long after, I don't know what was in his mind, but he was he was obviously thinking about this. Um, not long after, he, he meets this lady and she assailed him with a flood of abuse. He smiles and just says, yes, thank you, I'm quite well, I hope you're the same. Then out comes another burst of abuse, and this time it was you know pitched higher. You know, as people get upset, they raise their voice, so that's what's happening here. And as she abuses him even higher and louder, he simply replies, yes, yes, it does look rather like it might rain. I think I'd better be getting on. She's exasperated, and she exclaims, he's deaf as a post. What's the use? No, no point abusing him. And her rantings were stopped. She didn't do it again. And um, I thought that was that was really interesting story of how he dealt with abuse. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, in this instance, it looks like he was prepared for it, and so he was able to be calm uh, in that circumstance. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's fairly self-evident. Self-control mm. is controlling yourself, not controlling others. Mm. And controlling mm. your tongue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, that's a big thing. Mm. It's hard to do sometimes. Yeah. Okay, just remember our listener question. We'd love for you to share a time with us when you witnessed exceptional self-control. Text us in on 0488-880-891. Later in the program, we're going to have a book offer, and the book today is called The God We Worship by Daniel Scarone. Here right now, though, is Kate Gariga with Walk In It With Me.
Father, please refine me till I'm in the center of your will, resembling the sun. I am melted by your love. The more I read, the more I trust everything you do. Father, I'm in awe of you. is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM and this morning we've been talking with David Maxwell on his series Reflecting Jesus. Now we have just lost David during the break. I'm hoping that he comes back very soon but uh, while we wait for him to reconnect I will talk about our book offer for today. The book offer is titled The God We Worship and it's by Daniel Scarone. The Bible serves primarily as God's revelation about himself. Through its pages, we see multiple stories by which the Lord presented himself to those uh, who were to represent him as servant leaders among his people and as heaven's spokespersons before the nations. If you want one of the finest biblical explanations of the triune Godhead, you will be pleased to have this in your hands. The God we worship is thorough, clear and concise. The author gets to the root of the issues and lets the Bible unveil this glorious truth, so essential to our salvation. While we wait for David to reconnect, I'm just going to play our next song, which is How Deep the Father's Love.
Well, we've got David back connected on the phone, so we'll continue this way. Um, unfortunately, David's lost internet connection where he is, so we'll have to continue on the phone for now. So, David, before the break, uh, you were talking about how, you know, in, in circumstances where we can exercise self-control, we can often avoid situations where that could turn into, you know, bad situations, I guess. Yeah, that's right. And I was explaining that uh, self-control is being controlling yourself fairly, obviously. Mm. However, the trouble is that because of sin and the outside influences on us, it's often much harder than it sounds. Um, so I guess what we want to look at now in this section is what does self-control look like in the display in God's character? How does it look like in God's character? Well, when we look in the Bible, we actually find an example of God's self-control. And when we look at this, we can see that, hey, this might give us a bit of an understanding of what self-control looks like from God's point of view. I see this in Revelation chapter 12. Interesting, go to the end of the Bible to see how God um, um, displays self-control. And here in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17, um, sorry, verse Verse 7, we see we see God is um, is exposed to this issue in heaven. There's a war that breaks out in heaven, this perfect place. And uh, Michael and his angels, Michael's a reference to Jesus, we believe, and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon. And his angels fought, but they did not prevail. The dragon didn't prevail. Nor was a place found for them anymore um, in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now, this is interesting because God has, God is omnipotent. That means he has all the power. And, and this all powerful God doesn't need to tolerate. I'm saying doesn't need to tolerate. So if you have all the power, you don't need to, uh, you don't need to control. Uh, you don't need to control yourself because you've got the power. Mm. However, God does. He controls himself. He can just wipe Satan out, remove the dissension, and we're all back to peace. But God knows that that is not the best because he's also um, all-knowing. He's also all-knowing. And he shows incredible self-control. He has that power, but he doesn't use it because he knows that if he uses it, he's going to jeopardize the free will of the subjects, of the people who are the, the beings that are watching on, seeing what's going to happen. And he, he respects self-will um, and, and free will so much, he doesn't act this way, he doesn't act rashly. Um, he has our salvation in mind. He has everybody's salvation in mind. So uh, he, he behaves in such a way that people will see what his government is like as compared to Satan's proposed government. Mm. So... He kicks Satan out of the perfect place of heaven, gives him this planet, one little place, to show, give him the opportunity, the ample opportunity to show what his kind of government would really look like. So when we look around today, how do you think that turned out? Well, at the moment it doesn't look real good, but uh, hopefully in the long term (laughs) things will change. (laughs) That's it. You know, when you look around, you can see that the kind of government that Satan wanted, one that's selfish, self-centered, 
um, only has your own ideals in mind, didn't see, didn't work out as well as God's. Mm. You know, we, we read about the perfection of heaven and we see the way that God loves us as we looked at some of the previous things. You're going to have to keep me on track with the timer, um, Jason, yeah. because I can't see it. We've got about three minutes before so, our break. Um, so. <clears throat> you just tell me uh, how we're going. Yeah, on. three minutes. So when when I look at this, then, well, it's ex- exasperated when it comes to human self-control. Um, mankind had a choice as well. When we go back to Genesis chapter um, 1, 2, 3, we see how God created us perfect, gave mankind a direction, gave them everything that they needed except one thing, he didn't want them to know about evil. He didn't want them to know about evil. So he puts this tree and he says, this tree is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this, you will you will um, understand what evil is all about. And I don't think it was anything intrinsic in the tree. I believe it was the fact that if they ate from the tree, they were disobeying God and they would know then what disobedience was all about mm. and the result of it. That's what I believe. Anyway, there's not enough information to tell us whether there was something intrinsic in the in the fruit or not. Nevertheless, they, um, they, they Satan disguises himself. He appears as this beautiful creature, this uh, serpent, talking with them, and he deceives Eve. Adam then takes as well, and they fall from their position of perfection because of their lack of self-control. Satan simply tempted them with something, one thing that they didn't have. And, and they and they fell. And so not wanting to punish man's sin immediately, God chooses for himself to take the punishment on, on their behalf. This is the idea of salvation. This is a promise that starts right back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, 16, where God promises that this disobedience, this sin, this, this pain and this suffering won't go on forever, won't go on forever, that God is going to put an end to it. Mm. And as he's going to put an end to it, he promises that one will come that will take their punishment. And as he as he makes that promise, he is promising that Jesus will come. And through Jesus' self-control, self-sacrifice, if you like, the whole idea of love um, and patience, long-suffering, all those things that we've already talked about, God will put Satan in his place. God will restore the earth to the way it needs to be. Um, God's self-sacrifice through Jesus shows us a demonstration of God's self-control, how he's not willing to destroy us because we disobey. He's willing to give us as much opportunities as we can so that he is able to restore us to that mm. right connection. It reminds me of the verse, I think it's in Peter, um, I can't remember the exact uh, reference, but it's in uh, First or Second Peter where it says that God's not slow in a coming, you know, to the second coming, but rather he's, he's patient, he's waiting so that everyone has an opportunity to be saved. And, and this reminds me of that self-control that God is actually exercising because he wants to give us time. He wants to give us time to, to turn to him. And, uh, yeah. Well, David, it, yeah. it is time for another break. Um, so we'll do that. Remember the book offer I, I talked about before, The God We Worship. After the break, we will give you the code to that book offer. But right now, this is uh, How Deep the Father's Love by Bethany Dillon.
Listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and this morning we're speaking with David Maxwell on the topic of self-control. Now, before the break, we gave you some information about our free book giveaway today, "The God We Worship" by Daniel Scarone, and we are now going to give you the code. So, write this down and text it in. Our code for today is Reflect, and the number nine, Reflect, R E F L E C T, and the number nine, no spaces. Text that in to 0488880891. We'd love to be able to get a copy of this book out to you. Now, David, uh, before the break, you were talking about the self-control of God, that uh, God exercises great restraint um, in, uh, in the way he acts towards us and, and even to Satan himself as well. Um Actually, David, are you there? I seem to have lost you again. Might need to get David back on the phone. Seems he's having some real troubles with internet. So we'll get Dave. Oh, no, maybe he's coming back in. Are you there, David? No, anyway, the code for today, reflect number 9048880891. Have we got you on the phone there, David? 
Yeah, got me on the phone again, yeah. Jason. We've still, got all kinds of technical issues today. Still lots of issues with internet today. But anyway, we'll, we'll finish this off on the phone. At least that's uh, sort of reliable. So uh, we'll, we'll go with that for the rest of this program. So I was just saying that uh, we're talking about self-control, the, the self-control that God exercises towards us. us. It's actually a demonstration of his love towards us that gives us yeah. free will. And uh, he's also great. He exercises a great deal of patience with us as well. So uh, how are we Absolutely. going to wrap this up today? Yeah, thanks very much, Jason. So, look, trying to finish this off and bringing it all together, in his uh, discourse to the Corinthian church, uh, the Christian church in Corinth, Paul writes and he uses the same word that's listed in Galatians about self-control. Uh, let me just go there and, and read it for you in First Corinthians. So First Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 25, he says, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. You know, they, they used to run um, the Olympics, and they used to run for a, uh, um, a wreath, you know, just a wreath of leaves. And, and this running for a wreath of leaves was, it was quite incredible because they put everything into it, absolutely everything into this race. Mm. Uh, a commentator that I, that I like um, in a book called Acts of the Apostles wrote it, wrote it down like this. It said, she said, um, in these contexts, great risks were run. Some never recovered from the terrible physical strain. It was not unusual for men to fall on the course, bleeding at the mouth and the nose, and sometimes a contestant would drop dead when about to seize the prize. That's really putting your heart into it, isn't it? Mm. But the possibility of lifelong injury or death was not looked upon as too great a risk to run for the sake of the honour awarded a successful contestant, a, a wreath of leaves. Such, you know, such was the importance of these races to those that prepared. There was no effort spared to, uh, in this effort to win. And Paul makes this comparison between their efforts and the kind of effort that should apply to the Christian life in our striving for this imperishable crown, not just a crown of leaves that awaits us. And we read that in 1 Corinthians 9, as I, as I said, but in verse 25 as well. Does that describe the kind of effort that each of us is putting into our Christian life, our journey? Again, um, this, this author that I love in a, a book called Acts of the Apostles uh, wrote this phrase. Now, this is just a very short, but I love, I love the reference. I love uh, the context of what she's writing here. It says, in referring to these races as a figure of the Christian warfare, Paul emphasized the preparation necessary to the success of the contestants in the race, the preliminary discipline, the absence abstemious diet necessary for temperance. All his habits and passions must be brought under the strictest discipline. Reason, enlightened by the teachings of God's word and guided by his spirit, must hold the reins of control. After all this has been done, the Christian must put forth the utmost exertion in order to gain victory. Sounds like it actually takes a bit of effort. Mm. And uh, I'm like interested there too that it says and um, 
by the teaching of God's word and guided by his yeah. spirit. So it's perhaps mm. not enough just to uh, do it in our own strength. Not at all, not at all. And that's what we're talking about with the fruits of the spirit mm. and the <coughs> and the things that God is placing inside of us. Guys, I'm in the Corinthian games. The last few strides of the contestants in the race were made with agonizing effort to keep up undiminished speed. So the Christian, as he nears his goal, will press onward even more zealously and determination that as uh, and with determination than that at the first of his course. So, uh, you know, a, a college president once stated it like this to a graduating class of seniors. It gets easier and easier for man to dominate the universe and harder and harder for him to dominate himself. Just think about that for a moment. It's easier and easier for man to dominate the universe. We're flying to Mars. We're trying to get to other parts of the universe. Mm. We can't control our hearts. We have wars going on. We have people just disregarding the, the, the well-being of others. Mm. It matters little what you learn or express. If, if, if in the end you cannot find some way of working things out with your neighbours, mm. we cannot dominate the universe, but with God's help, we can dominate ourselves. So I bring you back to the opening illustration with the bandit and the conductor. Watching a conductor is like watching how God conducts his people, his church. He knows when one, inverted commas, instrument is out of place, playing an off note. Um, he knows what each one needs to do to encourage them. He knows what each one needs to be encouraged. And sometimes stern but positive words, he, he lifts them up to play, inverted commas, their best. Um, you know, I'm referring to Christians in the church um, and, and the people in the earth. He knows when one instrument is missing. Um, he gets the others to stop. He locates it. You know, talk about the lost sheep in the Bible. Mm. He builds it up, brings it back into the orchestra, restores it to uh, the right its right place. At times, there are some that are playing slightly different music. You might have experienced that, Jason. Yes, for sure. Um, Everybody should be on the same side, but sometimes someone's playing a little bit off. Mm. He, he checks it and gently corrects it. He doesn't just shut them out. He wants to restore everyone. Now, this is a beautiful um, master conductor. You know, we're talking about God's way of working, not ours. Um, he'll, he'll have one playing quietly in the background. And just at the right moment, he brings it to the fore, increasing its intensity until it's front and center, and you, you are so blessed by that gift that you didn't even realize was there. He carefully instructs, reproves, leads, guides, band members, and all play their part to produce this beautiful array of music when played together, as I said earlier, produces a wonderful orchestral harmony to those who are watching, those who are listening, those who are witnessing our lives as Christians. As we're filled with the Spirit more and more, we're filled by His love. That's the most important, because God is love. This leads to joy and peace, gives us the patience and long-suffering we need along the way, being kind to others, producing goodness in the Christian living, and gaining more and more faith along the journey. That's what just naturally happens for us. Then as we speak and we interact with others, our language is tempered as we address them with humility and kindness, even when they're attacking us, like the example I used earlier. Along the journey, as we draw nearer and nearer to Christ, he gives us victory. And then we gain control over our sinful natures. It doesn't make us not sinners anymore, but it gives us control over those natures. With the indwelling Holy Spirit, he carefully conducts his church 
like an orchestral harmony so that all the witness can see what God is really like and we see his self-control played out through our own lives. Mm. I hope as we've looked at these fruit of the Spirit, we can see that this fruit demonstrated through us gives us an example of what God's character really is like and what he wants us to be like as well. Mm, absolutely. Well, um, I've uh, learned something from this study, and I hope our listeners have as well, that uh, ultimately... Um, you know, it does take effort, but we also need to be guided by the Holy Spirit uh, in this, uh, I guess, pursuit of self-control. It's not, uh, it's not something we can just do on our own. Um, David, what have you got for us next week? Yeah, that's that's a good question, Jason. I'm it says freedom from guilt in my in my notes here. Freedom from guilt. Right. That's right. So, look, freedom from guilt. What I want to look at uh, next week is. Briefly having a look at how a relationship with Jesus gives us the freedom from the guilt and our sin and how showing this to others reflects what Jesus has done in and through us. Okay. So I hope you'll tune in next week and listen to that. It'll be a great program. Join David next week. Hopefully we'll have the internet issues sorted out by then. Uh, and tomorrow we've got Tabitha and Daniel Mateo with a special program on Connecting the Dots. Uh, the topic is going to be Signs of the Covenant. And that's going to be an interesting um, study tomorrow. So join David and, uh, sorry, Daniel and Tabitha tomorrow. Um, and of course, remember our offer for today. Reflect number nine. Text that into 0488880891 in order to claim the book, The God We Worship. This is I Need Thee by Caleb and Kelsey. Wherever you are, have a great day. Thanks, David. Thanks, Ray. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need
This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.